TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. How often have you said to yourself, I'm doing it, I'm going gluten-free next week, and then next week never comes? Or worse still, you start eating gluten-free, but it totally sucks. Your pasta is replaced by some starchy, white, limp, awful substitute. You're craving real bread, and your motivation to stick to this regime is fading, fading so fast. I get it. I totally get it. Starting a gluten-free diet is really hard. It's easy to put it off or even to pretend that your health will be just fine without having to do it. You know, it's, I've just got a little intolerance, right? Surely it's not too serious. But if you think that gluten-free diets are only beneficial for people with celiac disease, you'd be wrong. That's old thinking. Once upon a time, we thought celiacs were the only people that needed to steer clear of gluten, but we now know that there's another issue that far more people have. Some people call it non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Some people call it gluten intolerance. Some people think it's bollocks, but I'm here to tell you that it's not. For so many people, gluten causes a number of issues, and I'm going to take you through just a few here. If you're intolerant and you keep eating the stuff, listen up, because here's what to look out for. First up, gut inflammation. Whether it's IBS, which is irritable bowel, constipation, diarrhea, bloating, heartburn, gas, gluten can hit your gut hard in so many ways. The inflammation can then cause an immune reaction in the body, and these reactions have been linked with a greater incidence of things like infections or a lowered immune system, increased autoimmunity, and that's just to name a few. Next up, there's something called leaky gut. Dun, dun, dun. I'm sure you've heard of that. As the inflammation becomes more prevalent, there are these little tiny channels, they're tiny, tiny, tiny in the gut that can take a bit of a beating. These channels are meant to let through essential things like vitamins and minerals into the bloodstream, but they're also meant to be small enough to keep out things like bacteria and undigested proteins. If you've got enough inflammation happening, say if you're eating the wrong foods, these gut channels can widen and they start to let through things that they maybe shouldn't. This is what's called leaky gut or, you know, if you're going to be nerdy about it, increased intestinal permeability. The scary thing is that it's also been linked to autoimmunity. Are you noticing a pattern yet? <laughs> as well as many other health issues. The really crap thing is that good old glyphosate or Roundup uh, that's used on conventional wheat crops. You may remember a while back there was an episode of Shiny Healthy You where I spoke to Cindy O'Meara about this. And so it's used on these conventional wheat crops and it's thought to actually activate the release of a molecule called zonulin, which has then been shown to increase your intestinal permeability. So if the wheat you're eating isn't organic, you could even be getting a double whammy of this leaky gut causing stuff. Next up, let's have a chat about your microbiome good old microbiome. It used to be called gut flora, but now we have a fancier name for it. 
It's basically just the balance of good and not so good bacteria in and on the body. Our microbiome forms an essential part of our immune system and it's determined largely by the food that we eat. So if we eat foods that we're intolerant to, it has a huge impact on our microbiome. The not so good bugs, they can take hold and proliferate and they can have a huge impact on our health. It definitely affects our resistance to infections. A good example of, say, a poor functioning microbiome would be like a candida overgrowth. That could result in bloating, digestive issues, thrush, headaches, aches and pains and fungal skin infections. And that's just one example. Oh, and on the subject of skin, gluten intolerance can have a massive impact there too. So not just fungal infections, but I've seen countless cases of things like allergies, eczema, dermatitis, psoriasis, and acne, which improved out of sight on a gluten-free diet. If you've got any sort of annoying skin issue that just won't clear up, it's definitely worth a shot looking at a gluten-free diet. Now... On to my old favorite, and that's the effect that eating gluten can have on your mind. The most common symptom I see here is foggy brain. My clients often describe it as like a fuzziness that they just can't shake off. Or in severe cases, they say it's like walking around in pea soup all day. It's really, really hard to get shit done when you feel like that. Believe me, I've been there and I remember starting to think that feeling that way was just normal, normal. I gave up gluten and dairy and I felt like a fog had been lifted. In fact, it's one of the ways I can tell now if I've accidentally had gluten when I'm eating out. I actually feel that fog descend and I'm like, wait a minute, what have I just eaten? Oh dear. Gluten has also been linked with more serious health issues as well, like anxiety and depression too. Uh, It turns out that some of those immune antibodies that are produced when you have leaky gut and then you continue to eat the food that's causing the problem – these, auto, these immune antibodies, they can go to your brain and they can actually affect its function. So if you have problems with your moods, maybe it's time you sorted out your food too. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. You're thinking, it's okay, I've cut down. I eat spelt now instead of wheat. I'm on a low gluten diet, so I'm okay, right? Right? But here's the thing. A low gluten diet may be great for someone who doesn't have leaky gut, who doesn't already have IBS, who doesn't already have skin issues or depression or whatever it is that they're suffering, that people suffer from when their food intolerances really take hold. A low gluten diet might even be fine for someone who's already done all the gut healing work. They're out the other end. They can go onto a management plan, but This will depend on a number of factors, including things like how damaged the gut was to start with, whether there are other food intolerances present, like say dairy, or whether there are other factors at play like candida, parasites, poorly functioning detoxification pathways, crappy immunity, or other health issues like even MTHFR or pyrrole disorder, which I know you've heard me talk about a lot on this program. You see... Sometimes in naturopathy, you just have to totally clear the slate for a while to give the gut a proper rest. You've got to get off that offending substance, get it out of the diet 100% to allow healing to begin. You want to repair the damage, you 100% have to stop causing the damage first. 
I myself, I'm the first person to say that I'll have an occasional croissant. You've probably heard me talk about this before too. And I will allow myself to be a little bit flexible when I eat out. But I've done years of healing work, years of gut healing work, years. I've done anti-candida diets. I've done liver cleanses. I've stayed off the gluten. I've stayed off the dairy. I've given my body time and the space to repair itself. But if you're unwell, you most likely need to be a bit more strict than that for now. In last week's podcast, I actually spoke about matching the strictness of your health regime in terms of your diet to the pace of your illness. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. So let's begin. How on earth do you undo all those years of wheat eating without crying a river of salty tears into your bowl of quinoa? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I know what it's like. Remember, I have been there. It wasn't so long ago. It was actually six years ago that I was still eating gluten. I knew it was bad for me. I I totally did. I totally knew what was going on in my body. But I told myself that a little bit of gluten here and there wouldn't hurt. It's okay, just a little. But a little bit here and there would turn into a bite of pastry on Monday, then maybe a piece of toast on Wednesday because it was there. And then, oh, everyone's going out for pizza on Friday after work. Well, I might as well not say no to that. And then a burger on Saturday because, you know, by Saturday I'd already blown out. It's like, well, that, that week was a blowout, so, you know, what the heck? I'll just eat the gluten. By Sunday I would be like craving all the carbs because my body was just like all over the shop all over the shop. And then you start to crave the thing that is doing you the most damage. And that could be the gluten. Side note, by the way, if you have trouble with cravings for things like gluten, it could actually be a magnesium deficiency. It could be a lack of protein in the diet. It could be that you're eating too many fast burning carbs or sugars with your meal. There's a lot of reasons that people uh, crave those gluten filled foods. So it's good to just check in and just figure out what you're really hungry for as well. Anyway, Back to my story, by Monday, I would swear that this is the week it's all going to change. This week, this Monday, this is it for me. But without a clear plan and without doing the preparation, the wheels would fall off time and time again, week in, week out. Monday, new me. Friday, eating pizza. Not good. So I realized if I was going to go gluten-free for real this time, then I needed four key ingredients. The first, a meal plan. This meant there was no room for error. There's no room for buying the wrong foods at the last minute. You go into the week with a plan and it's so much easier to stay on track. It also took the stress out of shopping each week, by the way. Next up, a list of things that I needed to buy. I know it sounds really simple, but it's super effective. Once you have the meal plan, the next step is creating your shopping list. Going into the shops with this list saves you time, but it also saves you from making poor choices. You don't buy those just-in-case foods on impulse. If it's not on the list, it's not going in the trolley, except maybe like Lindt 70% dark chocolate when it's on special. Am I right? (laughs) All right, next up. Next thing that you need to make this a successful mission, easy to follow recipes that are quick to make. 
Choosing the right recipes is key here. You need fast and easy meals on weeknights and you can save your slow cooked one pot wonders or your beautiful roast dinners for weekends. Okay, the other thing that I needed that I think is really, really helpful when quitting gluten, and it could even be the most important thing, and that is support and encouragement from someone who's been there. Oh my God, having someone hold your hand through this makes all the difference. Just knowing that others have been through this as well makes you feel supported and makes you feel like so much less of a freak when everyone's looking at you funny for like suddenly going gluten-free. Doing something that's a little bit different to what maybe your friends or family are doing requires courage and conviction. Don't listen to the naysayers. You need someone in your corner. You need that little voice on your shoulder that says quietly, keep going. You've got this. You can do this. Find a friend, a health practitioner, a Facebook group. It doesn't matter where you look to for support. Just make sure you've got someone there for you. So what kind of meals can you eat on a gluten-free diet that's healthy? Oh my God, so many good things. Okay, so a typical day of healthy gluten-free eating goes a little something like this. So in the morning, we would go like a smoothie or a chia pudding for breakfast. If it's the weekend, you might want to do a cooked breakfast with some eggs, mushrooms, tomatoes, spinach. That's totally up to you. But I I usually just smash out the smoothies in the mornings and uh, alternate with chia puddings especially when the weather's still warm, like, you know, spring, summer, autumn. Next up for lunch, I would go meat, chicken or eggs and salad or even some leftover veggies from the night before with that. It's, you know, super simple. You just make really lovely, simple but punchy dressings. Keep those dressings separate. I'll talk about that in a second. And it's just easy and it's it's nourishing and if you use lots of different colors then you know you're getting like a rainbow of vitamins and minerals now dinner dinner's really really simple as well just a beautiful cooked dinner of meat fish chicken veggies maybe some salad maybe some brown rice maybe some quinoa with your meal again it comes down to flavor combinations and using fresh seasonal beautiful produce as well color 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 and flavor So stick with me and you'll find out there's no need for stodgy fillers like bread or pasta. When we get rid of these things, there's actually more room to pump in nutrient-rich foods into your diet. Not just that, but you get more color, more flavor, more variety. Yay. And it's not even that hard. Oh, and snacks. Okay. So they can be simple too. You can make a bunch of like yummy bliss balls in advance and then you can even freeze them. You could grab some kale chips, you could munch on veggie sticks and dips or make yourself a super nourishing veggie juice in the afternoon. That actually really hits the spot. The awesome thing is, is that the more nutrients we pump in, the more nourished and balanced our bodies become and the less food cravings we have then anyway. Bonus. But we're all time poor, yeah? And you're probably wondering how the bloody hell you can achieve all of this healthy eating without being chained to the kitchen, which may not be your happy place. Well, it all comes down to planning and preparation. Sometimes you need to fix your lunch the night before, maybe put together a salad or some leftovers before you go to bed. Don't do it in the morning. You'll be too busy trying to get out the door. Oh, and like I said just before, the hot tip, keep the dressing for anything in a separate container right up until lunchtime, then mix it all together. That way you won't have soggy leaves the next day. 
Now, I know I'm being a little bit cheeky here too, but newsflash, being healthy actually saves you loads of time. So if you're sitting there thinking you're time poor, you don't have time to cook from scratch, well, here's the thing. If you're not sitting on the toilet, if you're not waiting in the doctor's surgery, you're not driving to the pharmacy to pick up medications, you're not sitting around feeling shit, how much time will you get back in your day? How much do you get back in your week, in your year? So with this all in mind, I'm really, really excited to let you know that I've created something for you. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Ready, ready? It's a new program and it's called Seven Days to Gluten-Free. Basically, I've put the hard yards in so you don't have to. Let me hold your hand and guide you through a week of healthy eating that's going to be totally awesome. And guess what? You don't have to eat cardboard. Woo! <laughs> a quick glance at my Instagram page will tell you how much of a huge foodie I totally am. I'm married to a barista. I eat at very hipsterish cafes. I get a tear in my eye when I'm forced to eat bland, boring food. So I've created a program for you that's all about the flavor because that's the best way to keep you on track is to make it really yummy for you. With this program, you'll never have to feel deprived. Oh, and just in case you didn't know, <laughs> I'm a qualified naturopath, so it just happens to be nutritionally balanced too. Yay! So in seven days to gluten-free, you get a seven-day meal plan, a shopping list, a week's worth of really awesome recipes, a pantry detox list so we can get the crap stuff out of your house, seven daily emails from me with loads of tips and support to keep you on track. Afterwards, you'll have a healthier, happier you. Yay! So are you ready to change your health for the better? Seven Days to Gluten-Free is open right now for enrollments. Head to julesgalloway.com. You'll see a little badge there on the right-hand side for the program. I'm so super excited to bring you this. It's got everything you need. It, it's everything that you would usually expect from one of my programs, like kick-ass recipes, loads of cooking tips, health information, support. Did I mention support? <laughs> Did I mention amazing food? Are you ready to kick gluten to the curb for good? Yay! Then head to julesgalloway.com now and check out the program. With the right people in your corner, you can totally do this. Thank you for listening. That's it from me this week. Stay tuned because next week I've got a really, really fun episode planned and I've got some really cool interviews with health industry peeps lined up just for you. See you next week. In the meantime, stay shiny and gluten-free. <laughs> and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.